So I was laying in my bed. I was fully awake. I was fully alive as far as I'm aware. And my eyes were closed. And suddenly I was in another dimension. And this dimension was made entirely of an infinite ocean of overwhelming love and bliss. My guest today is Melissa Denise, the creator of the YouTube channel Love Covered Life. Melissa, welcome and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and have this conversation with you. Great. It's, I'm very honored that you said yes to have this conversation actually because, um, you know, when I started this channel back in March of 2023 and it was one, your channel was one of the ones that inspired me. There's a few that I found inspiration from, but there was yours. And uh, I mentioned before the Jeff Murrow podcast and, of course, Alex from Next Level Soul. So I really yeah. appreciate you for doing what you're doing because I, I felt like, okay, Melissa is not a movie producer. She's not, a, you know, a, she hasn't been in the movies like what Alex has. And you've kind of, you know, started from scratch where you are. And I felt like what you were doing with your channel was something that is achievable, still really good, but achievable for the everyday person. So that, that, that helped me get going. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much for saying that. I love to hear that feedback because you're correct. I don't, I still don't have a clue what I'm doing. So. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, I think sometimes you just got to stay in something for long enough to become successful. You don't always have to be like the best of the best. You, the, the, mm -hmm. A lot of success is just sticking in there. So how about we start with what your life was like before you had your shall we say, spiritual transformation. Okay, yes, wonderful. So feel free to stop me or redirect or anything. But I was born with pre-birth memories, which I did not understand what they were at the time. I didn't know what a pre-birth memory was or that people could have them. But I just had this memory of divine bliss that I was born with. And so that sort of um, started my life off in a certain direction. From the very beginning, I was very interested in spiritual things and kind of a little bit obsessed with how I'm going to experience this divine bliss again and what do I have to do to feel that again. And I was born into the Christian faith. I was born into a really strict branch of the Christian faith, which now would probably be considered a cult. <laughs> and so I was taught a very opposite thing about God and the spiritual realm than what I remembered. And as a young child, I couldn't really differentiate those two things. So I 100% swallowed everything that I was taught. And I was a very, very sincere Christian for almost well, yeah, about 30 years, 29 years of my life. And some of the things that I was taught were very depressing to me and caused me to have some mental health issues. As a teenager, well, for most of my childhood and my teenage years, I was depressed. I became suicidal as a teenager. And I just kept um, kind of pushing forward to try to find this spiritual connection. And so on the one hand, I had this like ongoing relationship with this being that I remembered from my pre-birth memories that was very loving, very understanding, very forgiving, 
um, always directing me to forgive the people in my life and to be more loving and more open-minded. And then on the other hand, I was taught that this being that we called God was had created most of the world's population just to throw them into hell and burn them alive for all of eternity. So I, it was kind of hard to reconcile these things. And it caused me a lot of mental turmoil. And so I spent a lot of my time um, desperately seeking divine bliss, seeking to have a divine experience. As we said in the Christian faith, trying to feel God's presence. I want to feel and experience God's presence. And I did a lot of crazy things trying to stimulate an experience. I would go out in crazy weather. I would go out late at night by myself and just like walk around when it's zero degrees outside thinking if I could have an extreme enough thing is going to stimulate something. When you say and crazy nothing, weather, do you mean like thunderstorms, lightning, that kind of thing? Blizzards. Yeah, I went out in blizzards. Wow. I was out in thunderstorms all the time. And so I I would go out by myself and walk around the neighborhood just hoping if I go around this corner, the light is going to be there and I'm going to have this crazy supernatural experience. I was a crazy teenager the thing things that we do when we're young um, but nothing ever happened and i i i just remember becoming more and more depressed and then i would pray every night begging for an experience please give me some kind of experience because i knew if i could feel that bliss again that all of my earthly pain would just be wiped away in an instant so that's what led up to me having finally having the out-of-body experience Right. So you had an out-of-body experience. This is interesting. So what actually precipitated? So that was around about 2930, I guess. So tell us about that. Yeah, actually, this happened earlier. I was 18, 19 when this oh, okay. happened. Yep. So I was in my bed praying my normal prayer, begging to have an experience of divine bliss. And I cannot explain why it happened that night when I had prayed the same thing for years and nothing ever happened. But I, so I was laying in my bed. I was fully awake. I was fully alive as far as I'm aware. And my eyes were closed. And suddenly I was in another dimension. So there's two phases to this experience. In the first phase, I still perceived myself to be in my bedroom on my bed. But it was like I was in another dimension, and this dimension was made entirely of an infinite ocean of overwhelming love and bliss wow. that was also a presence. And I immediately recognized it from my pre-birth memories as the being that I had been taught to call God in my earthly life. And this presented itself to me as like this force field of love. And the love was washing over me in waves from my feet to my head. And it was also in like washing in waves inside of me. And it was wiping away all of my depression and all of the pain connected to my earthly life. And I remember saying to it, where have you been my entire life? I have been looking for you my entire life and you are finally here. And I felt like I was being held in my mother's arms like a newborn baby. Like, no, like I was held in my father's arms and 
comforted in my mother's womb. So there was definitely a masculine and a feminine element to this presence. And I remember thinking it feels like the love, all the loves that we can experience in this lifetime, all wrapped into one, like brother, sister, friend, mother, father, son, daughter, lover, everything, pets, everything, all wrapped into one and multiplied by a million. And this is where words really fail me because there are no words to describe what this felt like because we don't even have those feelings in this world. But if I could describe it, it would be love, safety, security, peace, joy, bliss, beyond what we can ever experience here. And I felt like, like I realized that the things that I had been taught in the church were completely wrong and that it is completely impossible for anybody to be eternally lost. It's just unthinkable because that's how safe and secure and loved we are. So I'm not sure how long I experienced this. I remember feeling like I, I'm just going to stay here forever. I'm never going to leave. I don't need back. to go back to my <laughs> life. <laughs> that's right. Um, but time was different there, so I'm not sure how long or there even was a length of time that I was in that place. But at some point, I began to expand. My consciousness began to expand out of my body and out of the physical realm. And I found myself somewhere above the earth. I, I've since put language to it. Um, a lot of near-death experiencers have called this an experience of ultimate knowledge. And that's what began to happen to me. I became aware that I had access to all the information that was available in our universe and that I could know anything that I wanted to know. Wow. So I began asking questions. As soon as I would formulate a question in my mind, I would receive a massive download of information that would not only answer that question, but show how the answer to that question fit together with everything else in the universe. And I know that sounds impossible, but that is what happened. And as soon as I would get that download, it would stimulate more questions. And I would ask like five, 10 more questions, and I would get a massive download in response to each of those questions. And this was happening like at the speed of light. So on the one hand, it's like I'm asking questions and I'm getting this massive download and it's like I'm expanding like this because as I'm as this information is coming into my consciousness, I'm expanding so that I can contain it. And it felt like I was expanding through dimensional awareness. So I remember expanding through several dimensions of awareness and every time I would expand up into a new dimension, there would be this feeling of like release of freedom and bliss. Like I would feel so much more expanded and there would be so much more information available to me. And I would see things from such a higher perspective that I kept having this epiphany like, oh yeah, I knew that. Oh yeah, I knew that. How can I not understand that before? But it made so much more sense the more expanded I got. When I got to the top, there was um, this moment where I saw the, what, what I call the key to life. Like, why are we here? What are we doing here on this planet? And 
and I saw why we have to go through all the suffering that we do. And I saw the answer. And from that extremely expanded perspective, it was so simple that I laughed and I said, how do we not know that down there? Like we make things so complicated and this whole time it's been so simple, but I wasn't able to remember what it was because from this perspective, it's way too much information to fit into our minds. And I know that doesn't make sense. Like from way up here, it was so simple, but from way down here, it's so complex that it's impossible for us to understand. Um, so on the one hand, I expanded extremely fast. I saw the key to life and then I began to contract back into my con into my body. But on the other hand, I was being given all these downloads and having all these epiphanies. And it was like all of these other things were happening at the same time. Most of those things I was not allowed to remember, but there's two things I saw that I can remember. Do you want me to share those? I do. Yeah, I'm fascinated. Okay, so the first thing I saw that I do remember is when I first expanded out of my body, it was like waking up into this realm of brilliant light. And what I called my angels, many people would probably call them guides, were there with me. These beings were surrounding me and they had a message for me because I had been raised in the church and taught that most people were dying and going to hell. And I had also had all of these layers of guilt and shame programmed into me um, because we were taught about sin and how we all had to confess our sins. And if we missed anything, we could die and wake up in hell. So there's all these layers of guilt and fear that were programmed into me. And so what they said is, there's nothing for you to feel guilty for. There's nothing for you to feel ashamed of. There's nothing for you to be afraid of. There is no judgment awaiting you. Your life is proceeding exactly as it is supposed to. You are doing exactly what you were supposed to be doing. We are so, so proud of you and we are so supporting you. And there is no way that you can mess this up. Wow. We know how difficult this is for you, but you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. So there's, there's nothing to worry about. You have to go back and complete the job. And we'll be with you every step of the way, supporting you and cheering you on. And I looked down at the earth and I saw that the entire earth is made of brilliant light, the same brilliant light that was in that place. And I saw that the light is the presence of what we call God, source, creator, whatever word people are comfortable with. We're all made up of that. And we can't get away from it even if we tried. So that's why the idea of somebody being eternally lost is unthinkable because how can you be lost from what you literally are made of? And I saw that from that higher perspective, down here, humans are stumbling around like toddlers learning to walk. And that's what our mistakes are like to God or to source. It's like a toddler learning to walk. Why would you judge a toddler for tripping and falling? Oh. Everything is understood because we're at a very limited perspective here. So everything is understood. Everything that the plan encompasses anything that we could possibly do. And there's nothing that we could do to be lost or to make God mad or disappointed or surprised. We are just so eternally held and loved. So that was the first thing that I saw. 
And the second thing I saw was when I was much more expanded, when I was expanded as far as I could, I looked down and I saw, now this is really cheesy, but I was a, a Christian teenager. And so we were always talking about the, the plan of God for our lives. And so the words I was given is, this is the cosmic master plan of God. And I looked down and I saw this beautiful multidimensional living pattern that was full of colors and math and geometry and music. On the one side of the pattern, it looked like one of those rugs they used to make where it's like all a mess on the one side on the back, but on the other side, it's a beautiful pattern. Yeah. So I was shown that from our perspective here, with all the pain and the mistakes and the suffering and things that we go through right down here, it looks like it's a mess. But on the other side of the pattern is this absolutely beautiful multidimensional plan that is alive and it contains the life paths of all sentient beings and we're within that plan it is so large that it allows for us to have free will and to make choices that seemingly lead away from the light lead away from love but everything is contained within the plan which is perfection it is absolute perfection and so even when we make a choice that seems to lead away from that perfection it is contained within that perfection and it's impossible to get away from it so that's the second thing i saw um then i saw the uh the key to life which i can't remember and then i began contracting back into my body and it felt like I knew I was going back in. I knew I was going to forget most of what I saw. I understood that it's because it couldn't fit into my physical brain. And I felt the information falling out of my consciousness like air uh, leaving a balloon. And I, another thing that I remember very clearly at that point is the music. Every part of my experience was music it's like the experience itself was music because when you're on the other side everything is connected so math and music and geometry and all the feelings like the love and the bliss it's all the same thing and so everything was music and i heard this beautiful music the entire time i was there but i specifically remember noticing it when i was coming back into my body and it felt like my consciousness was floating back into my body on the music. Wow. And I came back in and I had the first moment of my mind coming back online and saying, wait a minute, what just happened to me? Because when the experience is happening, it seems like the most normal thing in the world and you don't question it. You're just present with it. But then when my brain came back online, I was shocked. Like, what just happened to me? And I felt the love, that magnetic loving presence stayed with me until I fell asleep that night. It was gone when I woke up in the morning, much to my disappointment, but I did still feel this like glow around me for the next couple of days. And then eventually that faded away as well. So that's what I remember of that experience. Wow. So I've got, I've got a few questions for you. Um, so when you're saying how when your, your consciousness expanded and then a lot of 
God, that must be so tantalizing to have that, like the key to everything, knowing that you were showing that, but then not actually being able to remember it later. I guess there was some reason for that. It's, it is. That's so frustrating. But I know the reason. The reason is because it, it wouldn't make sense from this perspective. Because in order to get to that, I had to expand so much. And I had to understand so many things that that science just doesn't even know about yet, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's a hard one to wrap your head around. But it, it does actually make sense if you think of... I've heard our brains described as really like a reducing mechanism. So memory, et cetera, is not actually contained in our brains. It's just a filter for what's there. So in, from that perspective, it does make sense to me that you would acquire all of this information and be able to process it at that time. But then you come back into the body, everything's sort of hooked to these very minimal set of filters that you've got to, that's what you've got to work with. And unless you can separate your consciousness from that, then you know, it makes sense that you can only do what you can do with uh, what your brain can handle. And I, I suppose the other thing is that it would kind of defeat the purpose of coming here, wouldn't it? If we if we knew all that, knew everything we, we could possibly know before coming here, we wouldn't learn anything while we're here, right? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. It would, it would mess up our game, so to speak. Because <laughs> I think a lot of the purpose in being here is to experience things that we can't experience on the other side, like limitation, um, what it feels like to be a separate being and be put in all of these challenging scenarios. And if we knew all the answers, then it would defeat the whole purpose. Yeah. It seems like the more I read about this, it seems like this is, it's the essential part of the, our, our life experience that actually helps us grow like as a as a being as a as a soul that's that's actually the part that makes us grow and if we we don't have exposure to these trials and tribulations and challenges then we're kind of just cruising along right mm -hmm. yeah absolutely i've found that in my own life i'm constantly being flipped into let's say i have like a judgmental thought towards somebody maybe not even like in a harsh way, but just like not understanding why someone's behaving in a certain way. A few months down the road, I'll find myself in that situation reacting exactly as they were. And then it's like, I'm just getting all of this hands-on experience on what it is like to be in all of these different situations so that I can learn how to have compassion for people who are different than me or who respond differently than I think that I would, but then I often find out that's not the case. So after you had your, your out-of-body experience, that's really spiritually transforming what occurred to you then. How did you then integrate that into, you know, your religious upbringing and what you'd, what you'd learned from your religion up to that point in time? Mm -hmm. Great question. It took me another 10 years to fully integrate it. At the time, I was still very much immersed in the Christian faith. Um, it did prompt me to leave the childhood church that I had been attending for 19 years, the one that was really suppressive and cult-like, and to find a much more open-minded, compassionate church setting. But really, the the big thing that it 
that had caused me to do is to become an even more avid seeker of spiritual experiences. Because my initial thought in my teenage brain at the time was, wow, I finally had this experience of divine bliss. I know it's possible. I've experienced it again. And now all I want is to have more. So my entire goal in life became, how am I going to have more spiritual experiences? So I began chasing them even more than I had before. I joined this charismatic non-denominational church that was all about like all the, the gifts of the spirit and having divine experiences and all these things. And, and so I really chased that for a long time, but I never had anything as profound as my out-of-body experience had been. So after several years, I began to feel really disillusioned with the whole thing. And I actually shut down my spiritual connection for the first time in my life and became more, almost more of a materialist. I still believed in God. I still considered myself a Christian, but I thought, it's, it's, this whole thing is, it's not getting me anywhere. It must be really impossible to experience those divine experiences like I want to. And I kind of just at that point, I thought, oh, that out-of-body experience I had, it must have been demonic. Oh. Um, and I just put the whole thing behind me and uh, went into a really dark, dark period of my life when I shut down my spiritual connection. Nothing good came from that. Um, my husband and I really struggled in our marriage. We really struggled financially. Um, we lost our car. We lost our apartment twice. And things just kept getting worse and worse and worse until... I finally had just had enough of it. And I finally had been pushed to the place where I was willing to be more open-minded and to consider options outside of the Christian faith. I began, I had known for a long time that near-death experience stories existed because I had um, run across them online earlier in my life, but I had intentionally stayed away from them thinking that's not, that's not Christian, that's demonic, that's going to be a bad thing for me to get into because I knew as soon as I started reading them, there would be no going back. Well, I was in such a dark place in my life that I decided I didn't care and I started reading them anyway. And I, that's when my life changed because I began reading all the stories of people who had had similar experiences to me. And I was finally at a place in my life where I could just accept what I knew to be true, like this deeper truth that I had known from my pre-birth memories and my experience, my own out-of-body experience, which is that the truth is much more wonderful than what we've been led to believe in religion. The truth is that God or source or whatever word you're comfortable with is unconditional love and it's the love that is so powerful and so magnetic that it can encompass all of our mistakes and there's nothing to be afraid of we're here to live our lives to have certain experiences because we chose to and there's absolutely no judgment in anything that we do here and when i was finally able to accept that i could integrate the experiences that i've had and that started a whole process of deconstructing from my Christian faith, and which lasted several years, but that's a whole other story. 
what, what I'm getting, because I've got four kids, right? So what I'm getting from this is it's, you know, I like what you said before about how you're a cosmic, was it a cosmic toddler? Was that the term that you, <laughs> that you yeah. used? I've heard one of my other guests use that term as well, but it, it makes a lot of sense. And it's a perspective as a parent that is a good one to have is like, well, they're just, they're just little, they, they've only just started. And you, I think sometimes we can get caught up in expecting them to sort of be a certain way. And, um, yeah, it's just made me think about perhaps being somewhat less judgmental and accepting the fact that they're just learning as they go and they're going to stumble and fall and make mistakes and that's okay. Yeah, what I was shown in my experience is actually, it, it actually felt more like a grandparent's relationship with their grandkids. Like, oh yeah, you, you've made a mistake. You did something that you're not supposed to. And I hesitate to say this almost because some of the things that humans can do to each other can be pretty horrible. Mm. And I don't want to downplay that or make it sound like there's no consequences for your actions, you can just go do whatever you want. Um, that's not what I'm saying at all. But from that higher perspective, that really is the feeling that I got and what I saw. It was like just a grandfather chuckling at his grandkids getting into trouble and understanding that they're just two years old and they'll grow out of it. It's a good analogy because the grandparents are the ones that don't seem to mm -hmm. hold a grudge like parents. Parents if you're in trouble with your parents, you know you're really in trouble. But if you do something with the grandparents, you know, you're pretty much going to get off the hook pretty quick with that. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, I'm interested in when you were conscious of your uh, pre-birth memories. Like, was it from as far back as you can remember, like from being an infant? Or did that, did that sort of come online at some point? Yeah, there's a couple of them that I've remembered since I was an infant. There's others that have come back to me with time. And I remember no, I remember remembering them when I was very young and then I forgot and suppressed them as I grew older. I didn't understand that they were pre-birth memories until I discovered the near-death experience community and learned that other people had pre-birth memories. And then that's when I understood that I had had pre-birth memories. Okay. You mentioned that there was this fairly long period from when you had your, so you had your out-of-body experience and then you went and then sort of closed off again and then and then started to open up again. Can you tell us a bit more about that period? Because it sounded like that actually took quite a while and I think maybe there's something in that process that you went through that might help other people who have been in a similar situation. Yeah, absolutely. So I had my out-of-body experience when I was around the age of 18 or 19. And then from then until full for the next three or four years, I was very involved in the charismatic branch of Christianity and seeking spiritual experiences. And I did a lot of the crazy things that I did before going outside, going out into weather. But I also combined that with doing church events and whatever things they had going on at the church, like coming down to the altar, being involved in conferences, trying to get the gifts of the Holy Spirit, trying to stimulate something. And nothing, I mean, I, I experienced something, like some feeling of connection, but nothing crazy. I never even spoke in tongues, which is pretty standard for charismatic Christianity. Uh. Everybody speaks in tongues. 
And so that was really frustrating for me. And I could not understand why are these things not happening to me? So I shut it down uh, when I, I met my husband and we moved across country and I kind of just shut down my spiritual connection and went into a really dark period of my life. Um, the thing that might be helpful for people to understand is I did eventually learn that you cannot force these experiences by trying to make them happen. Um, for me, anyway, the way that I've been able to finally begin to tune into this divine connection in any kind of lasting or meaningful way is to understand, first of all, that I am that already. And I didn't have that understanding until much later. As long as I was trying to seek an experience as if it was something outside of me, nothing ever happened because mm -hmm. I was looking in the wrong place. The experience is within, and it's actually a part of who I am. It's actually my own being. Because like I saw in my out-of-body experience, we are all that brilliant light. We are all that thing that we're seeking. And I had to understand where to look for it. So you have to look past the body, past the mind, past the emotions into your state of being. And I start, started practicing self-inquiry meditation and understanding that I have to get to the source of my being, which is simply my presence and the place in me that says I am. And that's where you can connect to that bliss and that love beneath all the layers of everything else that you think that you are. So that was the first thing. And the second thing is understanding that this connection strengthens naturally with spiritual expansion. So if you want to have spiritual experiences, then focus on spiritual growth and expansion. And that, I mean, there's so much that we could go into there. Meditation is really helpful. Um, learning how to accept and flow with life rather than resisting it. Learning how to tune into the, the frequency is the best way that I can put it of the subtler level of our consciousness. When you do those things, um, then the divine blissful con um, connection will start to naturally become more available to you. I'm fascinated by meditation. So could you tell us a little bit about your meditation practice? I know everybody's kind of has their own one, but I'm interested in hearing what you do with yours. Yeah, absolutely. I will say that I find it really hard to sit down and meditate Me too. for yeah. much more than, yeah, you have kids, so you understand that there's never quiet in the house. So I often end up being a little more frustrated when trying to sit down and meditate. So the way that I practice meditation is I started doing self-inquiry meditation, even if it's just for a couple minutes a day, so that I can um, tune into that sense of beingness. And rather than trying to sit there for 20 minutes and meditate when it's just not happening, I've tried to make it a practice of living. Like this is how I live my life in any situation that I find myself in where I feel 
stressed, I feel overwhelmed, I feel any kind of emotion, whether positive or negative, I bring myself back to that sense of presence. So I'm constantly practicing self-inquiry as I'm going through my life until it becomes a way of life. And after doing this for a couple years, I started to notice that when I would try to pin down my sense of self, it wasn't showing up. But when I first started doing self-inquiry meditation, I could find the sense of self where I would say, who is it that's having this experience? It's me. I am having this experience. And I could pin down that sense of self. But the more I did this, the harder it became to pin down that sense of self. And I started to notice there's something beyond the sense of self that's waiting to be discovered. It's before the, the I and I am, and it's the simple amness. It's the simple beingness. And so I found this whole new dimension of life that was just existing without identifying as anything, if that makes sense this whole dimension of beingness that contained everything that was happening. And when I, and then I started practicing just surrendering into that beingness and learning how to flow with life as my guru, as some people say, I don't know if you're familiar with Aaron Abke, but that's what he says, that life is the ultimate guru because it will manifest as exactly what you need in each moment for your highest and best good. That's good. And so then that became my meditation practice to surrender to the beingness of life and embrace the divine teacher that life is and just develop this trusting relationship with whatever is manifesting in front of me that this is for my highest and best good at this time. And I can just kind of flow with this and fall into this and let it be what it is. So that's kind of how my meditation practice developed through stages over the last few years. Yeah, that's really good. That's helpful for me because, yeah, it's it's not just having a, a lot of activity around because of having children and whatnot, and but it's also from the when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, I want to I want to do stuff and to actually pause and. Just yeah. sit there. Oh, it's, sometimes it's really like, oh, I don't want to just sit here. <laughs> can't, can't do it. So that's given me something to, to work with. Um, sort of on that topic, a lot of people who watch this channel have children or have really busy lives, but they're wanting to get more connected with their spiritual side of things, and perhaps they've sort of lost touch with that. Do you think that meditation is like one of the best ways to do that, or do you have any other things that have really worked well for you? I honestly think that there are a lot of different tools that people can use and they all lead to the same place. Meditation is one of my favorites because it helps you to connect with the the subtler reality, like the subtler frequencies of the spiritual realms. The more you do it, the easier it gets and it allows you to have that deep divine connection that you're seeking. Another practice that I've found really helpful is to just love everything. So whatever manifests in your life, just make it your practice to love it. Every person, every object, every situation. And that 
can, I mean, that can be a lifetime spiritual practice. If that's all you do, it will really expand your consciousness. Another thing is, which is really simple, is simply practicing gratitude, being grateful for everything that manifests in your life. I don't think that a spiritual practice has to be like, take a ton of your time and, and energy and you don't have to sit for hours in meditation or go to the Himalayas or anything like that. It can often be the most simple things that are designed to just change your state of consciousness. So just being grateful for everything that manifests into your life, even the challenging things, finding a different way to see it that allows you to feel gratitude will start to create those feelings, like create, open up your awareness and make room for those feelings of bliss and love that everyone is seeking to have in their life. Um, I think those have been the biggest ones for me. I know there's, I mean, there's so many spiritual teachers out there and, and each one of them has their own spin on things. So just finding what works for you and what resonates with you, I think. Yeah, that's useful. So you've had a, at some point you wanted to be, become a kind of a teacher or to help people find their own path with obviously with what you do with your channel. What, what do you mind if I ask you what led up to that? Do you deciding, okay, I'm going to talk to people about this in a much more public forum and, and this is how I'm going to do it. Yeah, of course. Well, I just did not have anyone to talk to about my experiences because I I told a couple of people. I told my daughter, who, of course, believed me, and my brother, who also believed me. But aside from that, um, nobody, came, nobody came out and accused me of lying or being crazy, but I, I'm pretty sure they were thinking one of those two things. Yeah. Um, nobody believes this stuff. Nobody knows how to respond or, or what to think. And I just got to the point where I needed to talk about it. Um, any artist will say that when they get that inspiration, it's like they have to create it. Like whether they're a singer or a writer or an artist or whatever, it's going to come out of them. So they have to create it in some way. And that's what it felt like. It felt like there's this message that's burning within me. I've had these experiences. I have to share them. I have to talk about it. And so I went to YouTube because I thought there's got to be someone out there somewhere who wants to hear this or who's had a similar experience or who wants to talk about these things. And so I recorded a video of my pre-birth memories and put it out there. And it was so scary. Because I was still involved in the Christian church at the time and nobody in my life believed me. And I was so afraid of being judged or I'm going to go to hell because I'm pe leading people away, away from the church. But as it turned out, there was a lot of people who wanted to talk and it took off very quickly and grew into what it is now. Um, and I think that even in the last 10 years or so, the interest in these spiritual experiences has grown so much. There's so many people who are interested, so many people who have had profound spiritual experiences who didn't know what to make of them or how to process them. And But that more and more people are coming out and sharing their story. It's helping a lot of people. Yeah, there's 
we've just become a, a generation of questioners. And I, mm -hmm. I think some of that is partially to do with, I feel like it's kind of started with the pandemic where we suddenly realized that not everything we're told is actually most true. And people started to think for themselves a lot more. At least I, that's something I started to think a lot more for myself. I just sort of went along and thought, okay, well, everything we're told is, is all fine. But I like what you said about how when the artist gets the inspiration, it's just got to come out, whether you like, it has to come out some way, you've got to kind of go with that. And yeah, that that's, it's, people often ask me the, the same question is like, oh, well, how did you, what made you start doing this? And, and, um, there isn't really any good answer. It's just that while I saw some other NDE videos, I thought that's exactly what I've got to do. And I wasn't doing anything like that before. I'd had no, I I guess I had had a couple of experiences that, that was sort of in that, in that sort of realm, but people just thought I was a bit, bit nutty going down that path, except for my wife. She thought that's perfect. That's exactly what you need to do. <laughs> and now everybody's kind of used to it. You know, I'm the guy who asked for a, uh, a Ouija board for uh, Christmas and things like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I'm so glad that you put yourself out there and that people have been accepting of that. Yeah. So what's been the, the, is there been an evolution with how your family is with you now, given that you've, you've been um, sort of out there as far as your spirituality and the way that you look at the world for quite a while now? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a bit of a complicated topic, and I, my husband is fine with me saying that he doesn't, I and mean, he is extremely supportive. He doesn't believe that these spiritual experiences are, like, really happening. Yep. Um, he doesn't necessarily agree with my perspective or that they're real experiences, but he is extremely supportive of me doing this. He's fine with me believing whatever I want and doing whatever I want. And I'm incredibly blessed to have that. He's a staunch real realist. Do... <laughs> well, <sounds> yes. Right. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. That's not everybody's purpose. I do have some family members who are very supportive, um, maybe in the same boat of not necessarily agreeing with me on these experiences, but are very supportive of me and are happy that I've been successful with my YouTube channel. Um, and then there's others who are all over the spectrum. Some of that I don't necessarily talk about publicly just for privacy's sake for those individuals. It's definitely evolving though, isn't it? Like you're finding that just, I just find just in the general circle of group of friends or people that you meet for the first time, it's a lot easier to have a conversation about things like an out-of-body experience or, or a near-death experience or when people ask, or oh, what are you what do you kind of do with your life? And you talk about what you talk to people about and their eyebrows still raise, but it's yeah. definitely much more a part of everyday conversation now, isn't it? It's more widely accepted by the culture. Even I've noticed things, even like when I go to the bookstore back in the day, a lot of this stuff like near death experience books would be, have this little tiny section in the <laughs> Yeah, it was in, in the occult section that, as well, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And now there's this massive section in its label, what might be labeled like self-help or spirituality rather than metaphysical and occult. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with those words, but yeah, but yeah, I've seen that become more widely accepted. Yeah. 
So given what's occurred in your life, Melissa, and the things that you've gone through, what advice would you have for a young Melissa, like from that, that was a teenager going through those really hard times? Mm, that's a good question. I've never thought about that before. I think I would tell her to try to relax. <laughs> I was very stressed, very high strung, depressed, unhappy. I would have told her what you're going through right now is really difficult, but it doesn't have to be. Just try to trust that this is all leading somewhere really, really good. Actually, another thing that I would have told myself I would tell myself, although I don't know if I would have been able to understand or accept it at the time, is that you're creating your reality, like you're creating this darkness that you're stuck in. And there's no guilt in that. It's part of the experience that you signed up to have. But the point is going to be to find your way out of that. And you are creating in your physical reality everything that's manifesting. You're designing your entire experience based on how you're perceiving your life. As soon as you can figure that out, as soon as you can figure out how to create from a place of peace and bliss, then that's what you'll start experiencing in your life. Mm. That's a bitter pill to swallow, isn't it? That one where you've you have to go, okay, well, if you've got all these things occurring in your life that, to say, well, this is actually really my responsibility and it's not up to anybody else to fix this because I've created it in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. It can be so hard for people and it took me years to finally accept it. But when I did, I had gotten pushed to the point where it was almost a relief to think I, I can actually stop this cycle from repeating. Like I'm actually creating this so I can create something different. Yeah. Yeah. You now become, you're in a position of power at that point. So I wanted to ask if people are going to have asked questions, if they want to get in touch with you or just tell us everything that you've got going on as far as how people can follow your work and reach out to you if they want to. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. I'm mostly I'm active on YouTube, Love Cover Life podcast, where I interview other near death and spiritual experiencers. I do have a website. It's lovecoveredlife.com. And I have uh, some paintings for sale right now. I'm still in the process of getting my website switched over. So but within an, the next month or so, I should have that straightened out. I'm also on Instagram and TikTok at Melissa Denise, D-E. D-E-N-Y-C-E, -E, although I don't do as much on those platforms as I would like to. But um, that's pretty much what I have going on right now. I have a couple of other projects in the works, but it's going to take me some time to roll those out. So, Excellent. I'll put some links to those in the show notes for you. Do you have any final positive message that you'd like to leave the viewers with who would, made it this far in the video? Yes, I, I feel... The most important message that I could share is that it is really important for us humans living here on this planet to learn how to love each other. The most prominent message that I hear from near-death experiencers, almost every single person who has a near-death experience comes back with this message that love is the answer 
to all the problems we're facing in our world and that small acts of love and kindness are the most powerful and that we really can change the world by learning to love each other. And I think that's something that we don't quite grasp here because we think that the world is the way that it is and there's so much cruelty in the world. There's so much wrong with the world and that's just how it is and there's really nothing we can do about it. But that's not true. The world is the way it is because we've made it that way and we can change that. And it really is just a matter of each one of us waking up to the fact that we have the power. We have the power to choose to love each other in each moment. And if all of us did that, we could change the world overnight. It really is possible for us to learn how to live in peace and harmony on the earth. But we have to stop accepting that things have to be a certain way just because that's the way they've always been. We have to change our vision, expand our vision and believe that something better is possible. And then each one of us simply has to do our part by making the most loving decision that we can in each moment. And so that's what I would like to share. I would just like to encourage people that you have a lot more power than you think. You don't have to go out and do something massive to change the world. We just have to choose to love in every situation. And if all of us could do that, then we would solve the problems of the world because we would be creating from a much higher state of consciousness and a different world would manifest for us. Wow. That's a great message. That's so good. Melissa, it's been my absolute pleasure to have you on my channel. I really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to have a chat with me. And thanks for, very much for being a guest on my show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing. I've really enjoyed talking to you and I've been honored to be on your podcast.